How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Uh, today is June 23rd, 2013. title of this message is called Open the Door. Open the Door. So uh, I'm going to open us in a word of prayer uh, before we get started. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we praise you that you always speak. Lord, we can expect to see you speak and move in this place today. Lord, in the stories we read in your word, we can expect to see that same power today, the same life-changing power, Lord, that we read about can become our personal testimony. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place in a mighty way, God. Continue to fill it, Lord. Your presence is here. We ask for a continued, Lord, just overwhelming sense of your presence here, God. We thank you for what you're about to do in this time, in this hour. God, I pray that you wouldn't allow me to say a word, but only that which is breathed of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, I drop all distractions in my own life aside, Lord, for these moments to be able to purely deliver the word of heaven today. God, we thank you. If you're in here and you're lost, you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Pray with me today that the eyes of your heart would be open. If you're here and you're on the edge of the camp, Pray sincerely that God would draw you in. If you're here and sin is dominating your life, pray. Because the God of heaven speaks. The God of heaven changes lives. And He wants to change lives today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, God, for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start in Revelations chapter number 3. Tuesday morning at 4 a.m., my wife and I pull out of Texas. And uh, I can't even begin to explain to you how sad I'm getting. Okay? I can't even begin to put it into words. Um, just over the past couple days, how oh, it's, I'm starting to feel the... Uh, I'm starting to feel the hurt, not because I doubt what we're going to do, but because I love you guys a lot. I like you a lot. Okay, and um, Tuesday at 4 a.m. we leave out of here, but man, we won't be far away. Okay, we won't be far away. Everybody in Revelation chapter number 3, open the door. It's no mystery that God continually speaks, He continually moves, He wants to draw our hearts in such a mighty way. Why don't we open the door? He's standing there knocking over and over again. Why don't we open the door? The door. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. In the conclusion of the, uh, the letter to one of the seven churches, Laodicea. Okay, we have this statement in chapter, uh, verse number 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice. Who? Anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. What does the Bible say? Is the Bible true? Yes. The Bible's true. 150% true. If the Bible's true, then if we open the door, He will come into us. Dine with us and, and He with me. And He who overcomes. This is verse number 21. I'll grant to Him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. What's the Bible say? The Bible is true. Are we, are we all in agreement on that? The Bible is 100% true. If the Bible says that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking, and if we open, what does it say? 
He will come in to us. He will abide with us. He will um, fellowship with us. There's not a greater need on the planet that any of us possess than fellowship with Jesus Christ. There is no greater need. So whatever's going through your heart and mind this morning, me too, whatever's going through our hearts and minds, we have to address it. We have to respond to what Jesus is saying to us because there is no greater decision to be made in life than your relationship right now with Jesus. I said this at the tent last um, Saturday night as we closed up there. What measures the weight of a decision? What determines the weightiness of a decision? You can throw me some examples, it's fine. Consequences. The outcome, the consequences, absolutely. The weightiness of a decision is absolutely determined by the consequences or the outcome. So is it a weighty decision whether or not to get, you know, a McDouble or a McChicken? That's the one I always use, I'm sorry, I'm a McDonald's freak. <laughs> is it a weighty decision as to whether or not to get a McDouble or a McChicken? I don't think so. Because life and death's not at stake. Is it a weighty decision to have a, a certain surgery where you have 51% chance of living and a 49% chance of dying? Is that a weighty decision? Yes. That's a weighty decision because the outcome is life and death. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, whatever Jesus speaks to your heart concerning this knock, this slow and steady and patient and merciful knock on our hearts, respond to it. Some may sleep through it, and I can't do a thing about that. All I know is that the God of heaven is present right here. And if He passes you by, what if He never comes back knocking again? What then? He's knocking on your door. Wake up. Wake, wake, wake it up because He's knocking. And today is the day. Today is the day. Um, I wanted to... Uh, Go to 1 John. In relation to this verse, I want to go to 1 John. So we just, we just read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If we open, Jesus will come in. You know what's an interesting thought? Here's an interesting thought. Well, I'll tell you a heartbreaking thought first. A heartbreaking truth. Jesus walked this earth and where did He do the fewest miracles? Not no miracles, but the fewest. His hometown. So can you picture the Savior of the world walking through His very own hometown and not being able to do any miracles? What were they thinking? Honestly, what could they have possibly been thinking? Jesus is the Savior of the world. What could they have been thinking to have the very presence of God passing among them and reject it over and over and over? You know what? He's just Joseph's son. No, he's not. He's king of the world. He's just the carpenter's son. No, he's not. He's the savior of your soul. Amen. Jesus is not mere man. He's the savior of the world. And for that very reason, I'm confident that He's going to speak and touch hearts this morning like never before. And I hope I'm included in that. I really do. Don't always think the man up here preaching has got it all down. It ain't true, is it? It just isn't true. I'm in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. And I'm going to read verse number... Huh, I ended up in 2 Peter. 1 John, chapter number 2, verse 28. It says, Now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have what? Confidence. We may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. So, if based on Revelations 3 and 1 John 2, if we put them together, here's what we come up with. If you abide in Him, what does this say? You'll have confidence. Well, how do you abide in Him? You open the door. You open the door. Revelation chapter 3. I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens, 
I will come in and abide in Him. The Bible says, if you want to have confidence to stand before God, unashamed, then you have to abide in Him. Well, how do you abide in Him? Open the door. Amen. Open the door. That's how you abide in Him. So, here was my thought. What if we heard that uh, little beep beep or the door squeak? And man, don't get me wrong. I know the Holy Spirit is present right here. The illustration I'm given is, what if Jesus in bodily form opened our back glass door and walked right down this aisle? That's hard to wrap your mind around. It really is hard to wrap your mind around, but let's just have some what if fun for a moment. What if the Savior of the world opened that back glass and walked right down this aisle? What would you do? You'd have some that would bow down in, in adoration. You'd have some that would dance with joy because the Savior is present. You'd have some that would sit still, sleep perhaps. You'd have some that would just sleep because it's just another man. It's just another man. You'd have some that would run because they're on the edge of the camp. They know better. And when He comes in, they're scared. You'd have some that would hide because you'd know that every thought was exposed. You'd have some that was blushed because Jesus knows what you did last night and the night before. What if the Savior of the world walked right before us? His very presence was among us. What would we do? The answer to that question really determines a lot about where we're at. Okay? You want to know what I would do? I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's a tough question. But I'm certain honor and worship would be included in that. What would you do? Do you have confidence that if the presence of God was among you, you could stand confidently and joyfully? Or would you be ashamed? You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Jesus came to erase all that. If, you're, if your life and heart is filled with shame today, Jesus is knocking on your door saying, you hear my voice, but it's not over right there. You've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. There's no reason for us to shrink away. If we abide in Him, then we can have confidence. How do we abide in Him? Open the door. Open the door. Anybody ever heard of uh, Publisher's Clearinghouse? Anybody ever had them visit your door? Man, me neither. How do you get on that list? Publishers Clearinghouse does some random little uh, door knocking and you show up and there might be a check. Big old check, like this big. And I've seen them give away $10,000. And oddly enough, those people don't celebrate too much. They must have a big bank account or a lot of debt. But the ones with the million dollar checks, man, that's a different story. These cats go crazy. And so I got to thinking, a week or so back, I got to thinking, Publisher's Clearinghouse comes a knocking on your door. The very moment the people realize what's outside of their door, how many times does it take them to answer? Hey, one if that, huh? Go ahead and ask me. Zeke, how many times would it take you to answer the door? Go ahead, you can ask me. Not even one. But what am I getting at? Come on. Do you know why the people sprint to that door so fast? Do you have any idea why they get an idea that there's cameramen and women outside their door and it's, man, it's Publishers Clearinghouse. Do you have any idea why they might run to the door in a bathrobe, no makeup, no shirt on, no nothing? Because they know that what's on the other side of that door might change their life. And it doesn't even take two knocks. Doesn't even take two knocks. If the check's the right size. If the payoff is right. And then here stands the Savior of the world. 
just rapping on our door. You know, you think about it. Man, God's mean. God doesn't want me to do this. His, his entire life is a love story. Do you know you deserve hell? And this preacher deserves hell? And it's a love story because he came to set us free. If this is just old news to you, I'm so sorry. But I'm here to remind you that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world and He's saying, wake up. We still got more to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. Because the Savior of the world is knocking on your door. I'm telling you, this isn't something you want to miss. Could you, what if you slept through Publishers Clearing House? What if they went to your neighbor and dropped off a million dollar check? Oh man, I'd be mighty upset, I'm telling you. What if you find out you miss Jesus? You miss that knock on the door. Eternity's at stake. Eternity is at stake. And He's so loving. He's so merciful. He's standing at the door. Why? Not because He hates you. It's because He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's knocking on the door because He loves you. It's not this pounding, pounding wake up. It's this tears in His eyes. Wondering, wonder why they won't answer the door. Wonder why they won't answer the door. And just keeps knocking. And imagine the heartache in his eyes as Jesus turns and walks off your stoop. The very presence of God is passing before you. And we have a chance to follow him. And it shouldn't take two knocks. I hate to think about how many years Jesus spent knocking on my door. And he almost took me out of the entire world to get my attention. Thank God He did. And if Jesus has never... If he, if he hasn't got your attention for some reason yet, don't leave today without it. Doesn't matter what nobody thinks. Doesn't matter what nobody says. Your life is at stake here. And much greater than a publishing clearinghouse check is the Savior of the world. Why do they answer so fast? They know what's on the other side of the door. That brings me to this conclusion. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. The only reason a person would possibly reject knock after knock after knock after knock after knock after knock is because they just don't know what's on the other side of the door. Do you have any idea when you follow Jesus what happens? He loves your obedience. He loves your obedience. So either, either we don't know what's on the other side of the door, or we don't really believe in what's on the other side of the door. That would be the only reason for a delayed answer. Delayed answer. Before we turn to the book of Kings, I want to say this. If you think this is just an evangelistic message, I'm just here to tell you you're wrong. Where do we read Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20? Jesus is addressing who? The, church. the churches. The churches. This shit, and I hope if you're not saved today, I hope that you run to Jesus like a life, uh, like a, like a life preserver in an ocean or something. That, and my words are so ridiculously weak compared to the power of God that it needs to touch your heart to really receive this. So I'm just asking that the Lord would soften your heart. That today you would not leave this property without receiving the life-changing gift of Jesus. There is no greater decision. But if you think it's just an evangelistic message, look at who he's addressing in Revelation chapter 3. He's addressing uh, a lukewarm church, which is not us. At LCMF, that is not us. But what it's calling out is a desire to go deeper. He's knocking, but what is He telling you? Is there anybody in here caught up in a habitual sin that's dominating your life? He's knocking on your door. Is there anybody in here that's got a calling and they're afraid to step in it? He's knocking on your door. Is there anybody in here that just simply hungers and thirsts so much 
That Jesus, He's always knocking on your door. He wants more. He wants more. That's what we're speaking about. Amen. Not just salvation, although nothing would make the heavens dance greater than to see a lost soul come and give their heart to Jesus. But don't tune it out if you're already born again. Uh, we had a prophecy this morning from a brother who said, he says there's a lot of people here that are just hanging out on the edge of the camp. Not wanting to dive completely into Jesus. If that's you, He's knocking on the door. If there's a sin that just keeps dominating your life, and dominating your life, and dominating your life, He's knocking on the door. What's taking so long? What's taking so long to answer the call? He's knocking on our door. His presence is among us. We can't let it pass us by. When you know what lies ahead of you, it makes it easy to leave this world behind. Amen. When you know what lies ahead of you in Jesus, it makes it easy to leave this world behind. Our natural tendency is to want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. I don't know why. I, I, I wrestle with these same pressures. You want, to go, you want to go back. You just want to go back. And it's just unacceptable in the kingdom. When you know what lies ahead in Christ, it's easy to leave behind this world. God will not accept anything but everything. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Kings. We'll go to Kings, the first. First Kings. I didn't have to say that. First Kings 19. Are y'all with me this morning? Yes. Am I not confusing? No. You know, sometimes when you're preaching, and Eric probably has this problem, we all do. My, I mean, it's like you have so much brewing up in your heart and mind, you couldn't possibly say it all. You know what I'm saying, guys that preach in the jails and all over the streets. You know, it's really, it's, you can feel it in your bones, but you, you know, just saying it is, you know, oh well. The Holy Spirit does all the work. I can assure you of that. He is the evangelist. And if all I'm here to do is encourage you. If He's speaking to your heart, just respond. Man, that step is everything. That one step is everything. And He's drawing your heart. He is drawing your heart because He loves you. And He wants your heart. He wants your soul. I'm in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 19. And the little section I hear I want to highlight is the call of Elisha. And what it means when you finally answer that door and it's knocking. Keeps on knocking. He's knocking. And he does just crazy things in your life. He, um, how many of you here know somebody and you couldn't even possibly explain how you met each other? Anybody got any ideas like that? I mean, any friends like that? Yeah. There's a lot of people in here. I couldn't possibly explain how I met some of you, and I'm sure it's mutual. I drove halfway across the world and just ran in the world, country. I make things bigger than they are sometimes. I drove halfway across the United States and just happened to run into John and Joy at an apartment complex. Hallelujah. God, is just, God is piecing things together. And so uh, we can take great hope in knowing that He's speaking to us uh, this morning. This is the call of Elisha. Uh, as Elijah's passing by, and he's casting his mantle on a man. Want to see his response? This is what God desires of our life. This is what He desires of our life. What we're about ready to read. No contemplation. No, I wonder this, I wonder that. Wonder how this will work out. Wonder how that will work out. He wants crazy people who will just obey what He's asking to do. Ten times out of ten, you won't understand it. That's 100%, in case you didn't know. <laughs> ten times out of ten, you won't understand it. If you'll just obey what He's saying to you, you'll change the world. Starting with your own heart. You will change this world. First Kings chapter number 19 says, and this is Elijah, departed 
from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him. And he with the twelve. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Different kind of mantles mentioned in the Bible. This mantle is one of authority distinguishing a priest or a king. Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. And just look at Elisha's response. He left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. Ran after him. Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I'll follow you. And he said, go back, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him. He took the oxen, sacrificed them, boiled them in their flesh, and the implements of the oxen. NIV says, boiled their flesh with the instruments, and gave them to the people, and they did eat. And then he arose, and he went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. You got a man passing by. Prophet Elijah, just passing by. He's passing by, and God has, you know, already ordained this, told Elijah to go get him, and he cast his mantle on Elisha. And I just love this response. He burned his stuff up. Amen. He burned his stuff up. Stuff meaning whatever stuff is in your life and in my life. He burned it to leave it to follow what Jesus was ordaining. He let go of that which would hinder him from following Jesus to the fullest degree that he was willing to sacrifice it. And let it go as a sacrifice so he could follow and the will of God in his life. And that knock was answered immediately. Amen. Immediately. And he didn't just go. He made a vow to remove anything from his life that could possibly tempt him to go back to an old way. When you know what lies ahead, in Jesus, it makes it easy to leave stuff behind. It really does. Because Jesus is all satisfying. Had a prophecy about rest in our souls. I love that saying because it's the one thing we all can commonly agree on in here. There's a, there's a demand for rest. A high demand. There's a high demand for rest and many seek it in many ways. And there stands Jesus says, I'll give it to you. I'll give, do you need rest this morning? Jesus says, I will give it to you. I will give you rest. Of the few things we know of, uh, of Elisha, prior we know that he's farming right here. Don't you? I love how Jesus calls people like that. He didn't go to a big school. I mean, he went to somebody who proved themselves. They've worked. They've demonstrated consistency. You look at Moses, David, Peter, all those guys working uh, when they were called. A man acquainted with a lifestyle of farming. And if you look at Elijah's response to that mantle falling on him, what goes through your mind? What do you think he thought? Man, I can't wait. It's luxurious to live like a prophet. I'm going to try that. Man, you ever read about the prophets? You know what? This is going to be, I'm going to get popular. I think I'll go. It has nothing to do with any of that. Elisha knew what was on the other side of that knock. He knew what was on the other side of that one step of obedience. And so he was willing to sacrifice all to go do it. And that's what God expects of our life. You know, you look at, you look at the previous uh, chapters of that. You know, there's some highs and lows that perhaps Elisha knows about. Perhaps he doesn't. But look at it in, in, um, in chapter number 18. What did Elijah do? 
He took on 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, challenged them, and he called down fire and just dominated their gods, mocked them. Amen. And then you get over in 19, and what I'm trying to illustrate here, guys, is the fact that all Elisha knew was that God was God and that he was worthy to be followed, he was worthy to be obeyed, even if he didn't understand it. Because if Elisha had any um, knowledge of chapter 19 in Elijah's life, he would have been scared to death. He would have been absolutely terrified. We'll read a couple of the verses. If you go to Kings, 1 Kings 19, chapter 9, you see Elijah. Uh, he's in a cave, lodging there. The Lord says, what are you doing, Elijah? He said, I've been zealous for the Lord and the God of hosts. But the sons of Israel, they've forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life away. He says it again at the bottom, maybe down in verse 14. He says, I've been zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life away. That's Elijah. Then here comes a couple verses later, Elisha. You ready to go, Elisha? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to accept the call of God in your life? There's prophets, preachers, and evangelists yet to be raised up in here. There's souls in here yet to take that step of obedience and say, all my life belongs to Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And it's so hard to visibly see the devil blocking ears and blinding eyes. He, the devil, hates us. Wants to destroy us. And I'm here to tell him today that we have victory and that Jesus is going to open hearts today. Amen. Souls weigh in the balance right now. And it's important that this word gets through to your heart. God, we ask in Jesus' name that You will remove any hindrance that would seek to stop the pure and powerful convicting Word from penetrating the hearts that it needs to hit God. Wake us up in Jesus' name. Wake us up, Father, that we won't leave this building today the same. Help us, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Help us. The beautiful thing about Elisha taking and, and burning up all that stuff, not going back to it as a sacrifice, he's, he's not going back because he knows what lies ahead. It's easy to go ahead, guys, when you know that we're victorious in Jesus. If you've never known that before today, I'm assuring you of it. We are victorious in Jesus. Even if your current life doesn't quite uh, uh, look like that, you're victorious in Jesus. Don't go back. Please don't go back. And if my words aren't enough, and of course they're not, but Luke chapter 9 will be enough. Luke chapter 9 will definitely be enough when it says... That no man after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're unfit today, let's get fit together. Let's get in shape to carry the gospel. We can't look back. The biggest, one of the biggest ploys of the devil is to confuse us and to get us to look back. If we could just look back, He's got our momentum going that way. He'll try to kill us. He'll try to destroy us. He'll try to get us off the path. The right path. Which is Jesus. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 is loudly conveying the truth that not a person that looks back is fit. If that doesn't grab your soul and make you want to passionately pursue Jesus, I just wonder what will. He's knocking. He's knocking and He wants you. Two thoughts in, re in reference to uh, um, 
this next uh, verse I want you guys to flip to. It's in the book of Genesis. So if we could go to Genesis together. And how great that today is a, a baptismal Sunday. Amen. What a demonstration of abandoning the world and committing your life to follow Christ. A public, full daylight demonstration saying, my life belongs to Jesus and I'm not turning back. I refuse to turn back and be considered unfit. What a beautiful day it's going to be as the children of God step forward and saying, I'm only going forward. I am not going back. That's for those that have been saved for dozens of years. That's for those who are hearing this. And you know, you know that Jesus has been knocking on your door. And you haven't opened it yet. You haven't given your life to Him yet. Wake us up, Jesus. Wake us up. Let us hear this truth. Genesis chapter number 19 has got a little tidbit about looking back. Anybody familiar with that tidbit? That's quite a tidbit. I don't know how I got on that word, but I did. It's quite a tidbit. If you go to Genesis chapter number 19, what do we got? The, the angels have come to try to get Lot and his family out. Now, 19, it's quite disturbing when you read it. You read Genesis chapter 19, isn't it terribly disturbing? Oh, it's terribly disturbing. And of all the disturbing factors, just to highlight a few, you got angels coming to Lot to try to deliver them. Then you got all these people showing up from the town wanting to. Let's read it. <laughs> Genesis chapter 19 Two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, however, no, we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter, and they called to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we might have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him. He said, Please, brothers, do not act wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters. And they have not had relations with a man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have came under the shelter of my roof. And they said, Stand aside. Furthermore, this man has come in as an alien and he's already acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed in harder. Lot came near to break the door, but the men reached out their hands, brought Lot into the house, shut the door, then struck the men with blindness, that's the story. If you don't think that's disturbing, come on. That's disturbing. Yes. If you think that's disturbing, say amen. amen. It's quite disturbing. Very disturbing. But I want to highlight something to you about that knock. There's many of you in here have grown up and thinking that Jesus is just a kick you in the butt, get it right, you can't do it that way, do it my way kind of God. But the knock is more like... I'm your Savior. I love you. If you are open, I will redeem you. It's a love story. There's a lot of fighting in it. And most love stories have fighting. Amen. <laughs> but it's a love story. It's a battle of a love story. Because Jesus came to rescue you. He came to rescue us. What a disturbing thing we just read. And yet, as disturbing as many of our lives are, and I'm pointing to myself, I've had a disturbing life. Have you? Yeah? Genesis chapter number 19. As disturbing as that was, listen to this. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up. Come on, wake up. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. 
Does that make sense to anybody in this room? We, you read Genesis chapter 19 right there with me. What is there to hesitate about? What is there to hesitate about? But listen to this. And I'm so grateful for this truth. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. How many times has Jesus been knocking on your door? How many times has He knocked and you didn't answer and you didn't answer and even still today you've arrived at this church and you haven't answered that knock. I just want to highlight to you the compassion of Jesus. Oh my Lord, He loves you. If you've rejected Him, if you've hesitated, there's hope. There is so much hope If you've hesitated, there's hope. If you've hesitated, there's hope. Because He wants you. He loves you. If you've hesitated, there's hope. But if you look back, if you look back, it's tough. Don't look back. Know what Jesus has told you. Commit it steadfastly in your soul today. I'm telling you, don't look back. There's hope for hesitation. But it gets tougher when you start looking back. Verse number 26, His wife from behind Him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. What do you think? You think it was just the action? Like she just glanced back to see what was behind her? That revealed her heart. She didn't want to leave. She longed for it. You read 19 with me. Didn't we read it aloud? That's disturbing. That's a disturbing place. A disturbing bunch of people. God was about to destroy it, and He did. And His compassion was so great for Lot and his family that He literally grabbed them by the hand and let them out. How beautiful is compassion. It gets harder when you start looking back. Don't look back. If you're tempted to look back, whatever it is you want to look back at, God says, get it out of here now. What kind of sin dominates your life that would dare make you look back when the Savior of the world is right in front of you? Let's not look back. I don't want to look back. And at only 29 years old, i got many years to prove it. I'm not standing here saying, oh, you know. I'm saying i got to fight for it. I don't want you to hear of me when I'm 39. Old 39. <laughs> I don't want you to hear of me when I'm 39 and say, Zeke must have looked back. No, we got to fight every day. Every day. Go forward. Go forward. Don't look back. If you've hesitated, His compassion is here. Come. If you've hesitated, come and He will give you rest. Because He loves you. And don't look back. And don't look back. Going back to Elisha real quick. And then we'll wind this thing down so we can get out and do business. Let this community see people willing to go and identify themselves and identify themselves down into the tomb and up again victoriously. We're going to go show the world that outside. So we're going to finish here in Elisha as we close. God's message is pretty direct this morning. You know why I'm preaching this? You might need it. And I definitely need it. What we're stepping into is going to require me to daily say, no, don't even... Think about going back. Don't even think about it. And I, I'm not fearing that, but I'm just saying, let's, let's be honest. Even the preacher man up here has got things he needs to burn to make sure he in no way, shape, or form is going to be enticed to look back. 
There's no looking back. Man, God had 16, 17 years of compassion on me in relation to my hesitating, is what I'm talking about. His compassion is every day, but you're getting my point, right? My hesitation to follow Him. Years and years and years of compassion. He should have took me out. But He loves me. He loves you. And I pray this penetrates hearts that even aren't able to hear it. Um, let's go back to 1 Kings 19 with me. In whatever step he's urging, he, the Holy Spirit is speaking vastly different to everybody. As we pray, there's some in here, never been born again. It's like, this is craziness. But you know Jesus is calling your heart. Even through closed Hearts closed, eyelids closed, whatever. He's calling your heart. I know that. Saying, come to me and be born again. But there may be somebody completely different in here. Somebody who soldiers every day and saying, you know what? I need to get rid of that. I need to not do that. And it, you know, God is speaking so vastly. I'm not trying to um, get specific on how He's speaking. I'm just saying His overall message is He's knocking on your door. And what He's requiring of you, He expects instantaneous obedience. Instantaneous obedience. Whether it be where you live, where you work, what you do, what you watch. I don't know. The list could go on and on in a group this size. In Kings 19, there's some neat things about Elijah. What was he found doing, number one? He was found working. He's diligent. And then number two, Jesus always knocking. But look, what did he have to do to Elijah? When the mantle, when he cast the mantle on him, what did he say he did? Ran after him. I wonder how long Elijah stopped and begged him. Looks like he just stopped by and said, look. And he had to run after him. Jesus is so compassionate, so loving, so wanting to just lead you out. Is he going to have somebody in this room step up and run after him though? Run after him with all your heart, mind, and soul. He's looking for that. And we're going to see in a minute what happens when you do that. He burned any bridge or temptation that may entice him to return to a direction contrary to God. So perhaps if you was enticed to go back to the comforts of a town, you might sell a house. That's Zeke's story. And Kathleen, she's on the title too. You might sell. You might sell out and say, mm-mm, don't want to have any options there. Don't want any options anywhere except where Jesus is saying go. And then number four, he diligently sought to be like the one who called him. And this may, where, this may be where we start hitting the bulk of our church in terms of encouragement. He diligently sought to be just like the one who called him. I, love, I loved reading about this. So if you're in Kings, I'm, uh, 1 Kings, so he's called in chapter number 19. And if you read 20, 21, 22, and then you transition over into 2 Kings, chapter number 1 and chapter number 2, you see Elisha just gleaning from his mentor, gleaning from his, the, the one who called him. Just gleaning, gleaning, gleaning. You get in 2 Kings, chapter number 2. I, I just loved reading this, so I'm going to share it with you. When it was Elijah's time to go, out of here. Three times, three times, he tried to um, get him to stay. So we're in 2 Kings, chapter number 2, verse... 1. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Three times. Couldn't be denied being in the presence of the one who called him. I love this. 
We're in 2 Kings number 2. It came about when the Lord was about to take Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went to Elisha. I mean, went with Elijah from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And then the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out and Elijah and said, Do you know that the Lord will take your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elijah, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Same thing there. And then he did it again down in 9. No, down in uh, 6. Elijah said, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Don't turn back. Don't leave the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Don't ever, ever, ever turn back from the love of your life, Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. He would not leave him. The one who called him. Who called you? Jesus. Is your heart dead set on pursuing Him with your heart, mind, and soul? With all that you have, pursue Him. Pursue Him because He loves you. Elijah's response, I will not leave you. And then let's get down here. What happens at Elijah's uh, departing? What does Elisha request? What's his one request? Double portion. So you're telling me that Elisha was going to do even greater things than his caller? That sounds quite familiar, doesn't it? Amen. Eric quoted it this morning when he was praying. I loved it. John chapter 14. Let's read it. Let's read it real quick. John chapter number 14. You stay near and dear to the one who called you. He will do great and mighty things through you. He wants to do that through this church. John chapter 14, verse number 8. Philip saying to him, Lord, show us the Father, and is it enough for us? Jesus said to him, I've been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father." You stay near and dear to the one who called you. He will equip you to do great and mighty things. It's not worth turning back. It's not worth turning back. Does His Spirit rest upon you this morning? Because if not, it definitely can. If, if the Spirit of God does not rest on you this morning, if you're not confident that the saving power of Jesus Christ has been invited into your life, it is just not worth leaving this building. It's just not worth it. If you've never repented from the lifestyle that's leading you to hell and turned and ran to the loving arms of Jesus, it's not worth leaving this building today. There is no greater decision because there is no greater consequence. There is none. And for those that are in the kingdom, let's be encouraged this morning. Not look back. Amen. Whatever on this planet seeks to hold you back, rebuke it and get rid of it. It's just not worth it. It can't be. No turning back no turning back. If you've decided to follow Jesus, 
And all of us would agree that we've hesitated. Raise your hand in here if you've had years of hesitation following Jesus. That's almost unanimous. Isn't He so compassionate? But when He opens your eyes and you've had an encounter with Him, you know what He expects? Us to diligently follow Him. May we not be guilty of turning back. Today, as many choose to follow the Lord in baptismal, that's a sign. An outward acknowledgement that your heart belongs to Jesus and nothing else. And you're going to commit the rest of your days pursuing Him, the One who called you. You think it's neat. Wow! A man could walk by like Elijah and cast his mantle on a man like Elisha and he receive a double portion, do twice the miracles that his predecessor did. And all the while, the presence of God is passing right by. There he walks. He's walking right past you, right down your aisle, right down your aisle, right down your aisle. And if you will run after him with all your heart, soul, and mind, then he will save your soul. And he will do mighty, mighty miracles through you. What you get to read about, Jesus did. Isn't it awesome? It is awesome. How about us? We can do that. If you look at some of the miracles Elisha did, they looked a whole lot like Elijah. Who would have thought of laying completely stretched out on top of a young boy and breathing life into him? Elijah did that. And then a couple chapters later, hmm. So did his disciple. You can look like Jesus, you can be like Jesus, and you can perform mighty miracles like Jesus did, but He wants you to answer that knock. He wants you to answer that knock. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Eric's going to transition us here. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You, God, that You're calling hearts to Yourself, Lord. You're calling those in this building, Lord, who've never invited You into their heart to step forward, to take that bold step that says, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want Jesus to be my everything. God, for those in this room today like that, I pray that You would, Lord, let them fill this altar that they may invite the Savior of the world into their life to follow Him all the days of their life, Father. We just ask for a breakthrough, Lord. Those that didn't even get or choose to hear it all, that somehow it penetrated their heart and they would have this awareness to know that they are lost because Jesus is not present in their lives, God. Lord, awaken those people today, God. Draw their hearts in a special way. And God, for the rest of this body, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, we know You spoke. In whatever way You spoke, it's... We just ask that it would be affirmed that, that we would be encouraged to walk it out. God, that we would be encouraged to, just like Elisha did, abandon anything that's behind us that would seek to hinder us and run full speed ahead towards the Savior that has redeemed us. God, we need Your help this morning, Lord. In this time of invitation... Lord, we just ask that You would have Your way and do what only Your Holy Spirit has the power to do. Convict and draw the hearts of men and women. God, we love You. We thank You. We turn it over to You, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Boy, what a good word the brother has brought. Y'all can say good word. You know what's a better word is when we do it. The parallels between Elijah and Elisha's relationship and ours and Jesus are too many to name here. Three times, Elijah checks to see if Elisha will leave. Three times, Jesus checks with his disciples in the garden to see if they're still praying. Over and over and over, you see these parallels. If Elijah sees Elijah when he's taken up, then he will receive an anointing. If you are with Jesus when he's taken up, John 14 says you will do even greater things. There's one glaring difference. And that brings us to the point now.
when Elijah said that Elisha could follow him. Elisha said, first let me go kiss my mother and father. And as great as the prophet Elijah was, he allowed it. But when a man comes in Luke 9, 59 and says, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first let me go bury my father. Jesus looks at him pointedly. He says, you let the dead bury their own dead. You go advance the kingdom of God. As great as Elijah was, as great as Elisha is, the spirit of Jesus is in this room and Jesus is even greater. And you know what he will not allow you to do? He will not allow you to continue to hesitate. He will not allow you to continue to look back. The man of God got it right this morning. The Spirit of God is calling the willing and the obedient. So we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to...